Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the world's leading podcast for injectors and cosmetic businesses. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, an aesthetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend David Segal, an entrepreneur and an aesthetic business mentor. Each episode of IA showcases unfiltered conversations with guests from around the world. In a sometimes disjointed industry, IA aims to help educate and connect our global community to raise the bar for both our businesses and our patients. To further support and educate our listeners, we offer a range of additional resources under our IA Patreon subscription service. This caters for injectors and business owners of all levels and includes interactive live Zoom sessions, webinars, hints and tip videos, private chat groups and exciting future content to come. To subscribe to IA Patreon, head to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon or click the link in our podcast description. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. Welcome back, Jake. Welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. You've been, you've been away for, I almost forgot what you look like. I have to go to your Instagram and see yourself. I know, it's just, yeah. <laughs> well, luckily I'm, I'm, I'm on Aussie shores for right. at least two months now you've been away you've been in monaco you went to dubai london switzerland <laughs> and then you came to... back for about three and a half seconds and off to singapore well i'm going to singapore, singapore sorry i can't see i don't even know bangkok <laughs> bangkok was your most recent trip yeah so i got back uh, last week and the week well two weeks before that I was in japan and that's kind of what we're going to be focusing on today or at least some of the themes that i saw and spoke about I've got a lot of interesting stories to tell us and things that you've learned people that you've seen yeah so how have you been what have you been up to busy a lot of consulting work talking to a lot of uh, people wanting help with their businesses overseas actually in europe and united states wow not just australia so i mean and i kind of expected it to sort of go that way because things are getting more difficult for people i think that mm. uh, a lot of people are coming to the realization that they probably need to get a little more across their business and understand the nuts and bolts of it a little more because it's not just as simple as opening your doors and patients flocking in and, and the margins are getting tighter because people are having to be more competitive. So I'm not surprised. I mean, I'm very thankful that, that people want to reach out and get help. But I mean, it has been keeping me quite busy and it's good because it, it forces me to think about things as well because no two cases are the same. You know, might be helping someone sell their business or look at ways to turn it into a more sustainable endeavor for them in terms of bringing on people that can take the workload off them looking at little things like you know why is their website not functioning the way it should and you know talking to people like rick and sort of developing our own my own community of people that we've had on the podcast who are subject uh expert matters sorry i'll say that again who are experts in different fields of business um i've got a pretty broad understanding of most things but when it comes to like website design you're not, of, the guy for I'm that. not the guy. I'm not the guy for that, <laughs> but I can have a look at it and, and make some common sense. Yeah. Sort of. Um, well, we were talking the other yeah. day. You told me uh, an example of effectively that just the the website didn't make sense and it just sent people around in a circle where they yeah, could well, actually the, book. Yeah. So there was there was someone that was that was talking to me about the fact that their inquiries that they were getting were coming in the form of sort of emails from a form that they had on the website, mm. and you know they hiring a person to take a lot of phone calls and, and ran some messages and so on and booked these people in. So I hopped on and had a look at the website and, and the button was um, contact us or get in touch. So you click the button, then it's got this form, email address, send us a message. And then, you know, sort of in an obscure place on that screen, there was like a book now, but it wasn't obvious. And then the book now button asked for a whole lot of information um, around, you know, first name, last name, date of birth, email address, address, 
all this kind of stuff. And even though I'm not a website expert, I could understand the problem, which was you wanted people to make online bookings, but it wasn't easy to do that because you're actually the first contact button that they were pressing was asking them to send a form. Yeah. And then also looking at the number of fields that they were asking to, for people to populate before Crazy. they could make um, a booking was creating friction points. Oh, for sure. And so it's not that like anyone's silly or it's just unless you're sort of taking a step back and looking at it from sort of a thousand feet down and, and, and sort of understanding that the psychology of consumers, it's not obvious. I mean, it's obvious to me because I've been dealing with these sorts of issues for a long time, but it's not obvious to a lot of other people. So mm. the great thing is there's a lot of easy wins. It's not like having to reinvent the wheel or these painstaking, long drawn out projects. Sometimes it's just a little few tweaks here and there that can make a massive difference. So if you can all of a sudden get people not to be sending in forms and making bookings, then do you need that staff member anymore? And how much is that staff member costing you a year? Yeah. Um, and what's the purpose of the form? I mean, it's just yeah, a need, isn't I, it? I think I think a lot of sites are sort of just created um, just based on what other people do. Yeah. Um, or people build a site that's maybe five to 10 years old. And maybe that was, you know, a lot of, I don't know how many people were booking online 10 years ago or five years ago. It's yeah. certainly become more and more um, popular. And that's what, especially younger people, they don't want to sort of pick up the phone and talk to someone. They just want to, they know what they want. You're the provider I've chosen. What's my quickest path to victory in terms yeah. of making a booking? So the more obstacles and friction points you put in their pl- in that in their in their way, the more likely they're to say, eh, you know what, I'm just going to go and find somebody else. Yeah. And so yeah, so I've been very, really busy doing that. Obviously, we've got a lot happening with the podcast at the moment. We've made some some big changes to Patreon. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and so, it's all coming. Well, yes. Yeah, so I guess just to recap on what Patreon is, if you guys don't know what it is, it's our online online subscription service where. I tend to focus on injectable support and education. David does the business support. Um, everything lives in an app called Patreon. Yeah. Um, so we've got three different tiers of support. We used to have five, but we've just got rid of two of them. It was getting a little bit confusing, yeah. a bit clunky. Yeah. Uh, and often people were wondering, well, what do I get on this tier? Yeah. So just to make it a little bit more streamlined, we've gone to silver, gold, and <clears throat> platinum. Um, the most you'll ever pay is $50 Australian a month, but there are some cheaper options. And it's proved really popular. Mm. We've got, I think, what, 210 people joined up yeah. now. That will slightly change as we change the tiers, but um, a hell of a lot of engagement. Uh, and sort of on a day-to-day basis, we've got three or four WhatsApp groups functioning yeah. with people, not just asking questions, but supporting questions, yeah. answering questions. And it's just grown yeah. just evolved i mean i know you can't keep up with all no. of them. <laughs> i mean I, I i read a lot of them um i'm learning a lot too because there's you know i guess i'm sort of privileged in a way i sort of get to see all these things but i mean uh, there's some great um people i mean all everyone that's on there is great but i mean you've got people who are very um veterans that have you know respected global key opinion leaders on, on certain topics and we've got business people that have got really successful um clinics that they've built and and then we've got people who have just joined the industry so people that are really in their infancy and, and don't know a lot and are looking for guidance so we've created a community where i think it feels like a fairly safe space looking at the, the stuff that people put up I, I get the impression that people feel very comfortable to share and, and talk yeah um and it's it's great because i think it's it's a it's an opportunity to connect with like-minded people, whether they be very experienced or very junior. And I think that even talking to junior people and, and sort of giving them advice almost reaffirms things that you think or, or, or gives you a, 
a reason to consider what you're doing. So I think that there's value in both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. If, if you are maybe one of the more experienced people on there, it forces you to really hmm. um, justify why you make yeah. decisions, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I've noticed that with myself if someone asks a question and I'm thinking, okay, well, this is what I do. And then I know the next question is going to be why or someone will challenge it. So I have to really think think things through. Yeah. And, and I think that's, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, and it's it's people from all different parts of the world. It's it's really quite... Uh, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I don't, I'm not aware of anything. I mean, there are patrons out there and there are WhatsApp groups out there, but I've not seen yeah. the two combined uh, like what we're doing. Yeah. So it's good. And I think as the as the industry globally becomes more competitive and matures, I think that leaning on these communities of people to support you um, is really important because it's hard to do things on your own. 100%. And, you know, the, the top level of support, I guess, is for those people on Platinum Tier where they have the opportunity to get a little mini, I guess, business mentoring session with yourself. Yep. Yep. It's a 30-minute one to see where they're at. Yep. And then if they want to continue and do that more formally, which seems like many people yep. are doing now, what what does that cost people and how do they get in touch with you? Um, so it costs $250 Australian per hour. Mm-hmm. And I tend to do hour sessions, but if people just want ad hoc advice, like I've got a few people that will just call me if they've got a problem or they want advice, I've got an issue with a staff member or they just want to pick my brain on something, I'll sort of do 15-minute increments. Yeah, um, But they can just send me anyone in the in the Patreon group who wants to reach out can just send me a message. My number's on there. But um, yeah, I've got limited time left. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I've really overloaded your plate yeah. now. Yeah. But it's good. Um, and like you said, I mean, how do you manage the the inquiries from abroad? I mean, is it all broadly the same or? In terms of time or? or well, no. I mean, in terms of like the nuances, the medical legal challenges, different I mean, accounting. look, the, the business principles all, they're universal no matter where you are in the world in terms of the basic fundamentals of, of running a sensible business and, under, and fucked up stuff. Or fucked yeah, up stuff. exactly. And <laughs> and so each market has its nuances, but you know, I'm learning and I'm very honest with people and say, look, I'm not too sure about the law in this particular area. I'm happy to give you some overarching advice, but perhaps we need to bring in someone who's got some expertise in that particular, you know, um, field of information or knowledge. Um, but I think a lot, a lot of the a lot of the issues are pretty universal, and so you know it's hard to, to I guess communicate with people that don't speak English. But for all the English speaking languages, mm-hmm. um, or have or they learn English as a second language at school, it's fairly it's fairly straightforward. And a lot of the stuff just crops up. It's just sort of in a different a different skin. It's the same underlying issue, but just presented slightly differently. So Fair it's good. And I guess reassuringly for the newbies out there, you're even speaking to very experienced people who are going through the same oh, crap. Oh yeah, people who are highly successful. Like I've got clients that have got multi, you know, with five or six clinics under their belt mm. and they're looking at, well, gosh, you know, I'm getting to a point in my life where I don't want to do this forever. I've got maybe 10 years left in me. How do I hold and retain, like, you know, identify and retain these people, these key people of my business that make it what it is and take the pressure off me? How do I keep them involved on an ongoing basis from an equity perspective or a profit sharing arrangement. So there's lots of those projects going on, but and everything right down to I'm starting a business and how do I get my employment contract sorted out and what are the pros and cons or negotiating on a lease or right. selling a business. So real nitty gritty. Yeah, that's good. It's 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 never a dull moment. Fair enough. <laughs> um and I guess from my side, um I've started doing some shadowing opportunities again for People on platinum tiers, it's an additional cost. Mm. But I've done two days now. One with with uh, Martina Lavery, who oh, yeah. was one of our previous guests. She's a dentist in Sydney, and one with Vicky, who's a registered nurse up in um, 
Queensland. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every day is different. So, um, you know, shadowing for me is, it's really observing me with my patients, but of course, one particular thing might interest that person shadowing and we'll go more into detail about whether it's facial assessment or technique or product or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because, you know, I often think, what have I got to give? I'm just treating my patients, but we always go down alleyways and 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 little niche little topics that that particular shadowing person wants to get out of it so it's been really successful so far yeah um opportunities are limited i only do it once or twice a month um but for people who want that you know yeah. consider it and what are you what are you charging for that it's two thousand for the day okay. um but of course there's ongoing you know, support. It's not just for the day. You can ask me questions whenever. Yeah. Because I'm always on on, on the WhatsApps anyway. <laughs> so, you know, people might send me, I don't know, um, tricky cases that they want to discuss or a particular problem, or they want to know about a product that I use that they've never used or whatever it may be. Yeah. So that support is always there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And I guess um if it isn't obvious to people already, it's just you and I discussing things today because you've been away and we've got a lot to catch up on because you've been overseas and you've been engaging with a lot of like-minded people um, all over the world. And so it's just an opportunity to sort of recap and discuss some of the lessons that you learned, some of the um, the, the talks that you went to and, and sort of interesting stuff that's happening in yeah. the future. Well, in some ways it's going to be tricky to sort of pin down because there were so many talks, so many multifaceted people and and including non-clinicians yeah. so makeup artists and editors of vogue and you yeah. know all sorts of stuff but the, i guess in summary the meeting was called refine um so it was sponsored by Allegan aesthetics mm-hmm. uh, in osaka japan the thing the first one was held also in asia but i attended that virtually two years ago right so this is the first one i've been to um live uh, thank you again for for inviting me, Alligan. And but Refine stands for Regional Faculty Innovation Exchange. So really, the purpose was that it wasn't about you know technique, it wasn't about commercial, it wasn't about product. It was about um, a deeper understanding of beauty mm-hmm. trends of the future of beauty. I guess yep. was the, the the kind of the bottom line. And something gets a bit quirky. <laughs> um, I've shared some of it with you already. Yeah, some of the AI stuff and. Yeah, interesting. I, I think it's going to be a a weird future for many, mm. uh, and maybe our Gen X people will be way more comfortable with it than you and me. It seems to be moving at a pace that's exponential. Well, great example yesterday. Did you see Apple's new device? No. Okay, so Apple's new device that has been long speculated was uh, announced yesterday. It's called. I want to get this wrong. Um, Shit, I'm gonna have to get what the name it, of it. What, what does it do? Well, is it it's a, a it's a virtual reality goggles. Oh right. So I'm just gonna get up the name and hold on. Isn't that isn't that what alcohol does? <laughs> What's it called? We need some whole, uh, music, elevator music. Vision Pro. There we go. Vision Pro. Right. Apple Vision Pro. So you wear these goggles. They look like you know Oculus or other <laughs> goggles around. It's very expensive. They're pitching at three and a half thousand American dollars. Right. So it's going to be quite sub niche. It's not maybe going to be for everyone, at least for now. Mm. But the idea of it, a bit like what um, Professor Shafi Ahmed discussed yes. with us in a previous podcast, yes. you will be able to see through these goggles. So you can see around your room, but overlaid will be apps or whatever you like. So, for example, you could pull up your contacts from your phone. You could, uh, you know, use WhatsApp. 
or whatever app you normally use on your phone, but it's overlaid in real time in front of your eyes, but without you having to hold anything. Mm. And then you use hand gestures to navigate on your goggles in, in the air. Oh my God. So it's a bit like, um, what was that film years ago? Um, who was in it? Ah, uh, Tom Cruise, where oh, Minority it, Report. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My Minority Reports, where they were throwing around screens in the yeah. in the police. Is station. that the one where you got arrested for crimes you haven't committed? Exactly. Yet? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so but anyway, yeah. the point is the tech. I mean, I personally think it looks amazing. It's very yeah. cool, but I don't know if it's practical because mm. you've got to wear goggles. And well, eventually they'll be in the form of a contact lens. Or correct. Something. Yeah, it's just like the first iteration. But um, the other cool, well way of you using it is that instead of just you know apps and and sort of yeah. also interacting with the real, real world is you could make it opaque and just sit there and watch a movie but it's very immersive because the movie will be you know wrapped around your whole face rather than just a screen like yeah, right. a laptop and because you're wearing the speakers it's very immersive Gosh. so it's just like a new way of um experiencing content and and so for example i don't know how they'll do it but you could almost watch a football game, but from the perspective that you're sitting in the stand rather than watching on a screen. Jeez. So you could see everything happening in 3D in front of you rather than just watching a 2D screen. Oh Very God. interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's... <laughs> um, so Disney have bought into it and, and they're going to start producing content specific for that. Wow. And so it's, it's like a whole new medium. But... It just, I guess it remains to be seen whether people are going to do this on a mass scale. It's very expensive. Oh. There are just some people who don't want to wear something. Well, it's like everything. Remember the first mobile phone? Correct. You could, you know, you could do bench press with it. Yeah. Um, and not many people had them because they yeah. were expensive. They were cumbersome, but you always got your early adopters. Yeah. Who yeah. just love everything that's new and don't care what it costs. And that, and then, and then what will happen is that it'll, the technology will become more refined. Yeah and less obtrusive and more accessible and cheaper. And then it'll start to be adopted by everybody. Yeah. And then eventually it'll probably get inserted into your brain along with Elon Musk's Neuralink. And then, yeah. and well, then basically thinking, we're living in a world where we're all Robocops. Well, yeah. you know, right now when I go to my various clinics, I have to take a laptop with me and an iPad. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it's just annoying. It's heavy. Well, you leave it here half the time. I leave it here half the time. Exactly. All my cables are everywhere. <laughs> and I just thought, well, <clears throat> probably not that practical yet but i could just take the goggles and just manage my diary that way yeah and and all my whatsapps and everything else but anyway probably not practical for work yet oh it's only time matter of time but i was thinking as an injector this is this could get really cool and I, I don't know if it has a camera function on it yet right but what if i was say injecting in my clinic and rather than having one person shadow me what if they could see what I can see? So as I'm injecting a face and talking, they could see on their goggles well, yeah. my perspective. Well, that's what Shafi was doing with these surgery. That yeah. Doing. yeah. But if that was mass scaled on an Apple product, you know, how many people could you reach? Millions. Oh, yeah. Millions. I can just, I'm just imagining all the unuseful applications <laughs> as well. <laughs> it's just, yeah, the mind boggles. Anyway, so going back to I guess the Japan thing, it, it was it was looking at the future of, yep. of beauty, but also tech. Yeah, um, and it was led by Stephen Liu, who who we know from Sydney, of course, one of our plastic surgeons, and Waffles Wu, who's a plastic surgeon in Singapore. Whenever I hear his name, I get hungry. <laughs> it's Waffles with an O. Oh right, like <laughs> Waffles. <laughs> Um, so anyway, but I've never been to Japan. Have you been to Japan before? Mm -mm. Amazing, amazing country. It was. Um, 
I don't know. I mean, Osaka is not the biggest city. Yeah. Obviously, Tokyo is the biggest city, but, um, you know, it's just amazing, but also kind of a, a, a funny sort of paradox. So, for example, you go to a shop and many of them want cash still, mm-hmm. or they don't accept a tap pay with your phone. They, they want a real credit card. So, you always imagine Japan to be very futuristic, but some of it was not. And uh, why do you, what, what's driving that difference? Well, I think to be honest, it's the Australian banking system is bizarrely very modern compared to a lot of countries. Huh. So even in America, sometimes they don't even have chip and pin. You've got to sign your name still. Really? In America, yeah. Huh. So it's just a quirk of, you know, some of the tech that we maybe here take for granted haven't filtered through to certain countries. Mm. But for example, you go to the toilet in Japan. <laughs> They've got all of the electronic toilets so that wipe with your, heated seats. Does it wipe your bum for you? It doesn't wipe your bum, it squirts your bum. Okay. Oh, well, <laughs> some people might be into that. And then it dries your bum. <laughs> oh, nice. So, you know, it's just like weird things like that. You go to the most, you know, basic place and they've got an electronic toilet. And you just think, wow. What happens when the batteries run flat? Or it's plugged into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> and once you've tried that, it's very hard to go back to a normal toilet. I can no, tell you well, it's like the old school bidets, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's bizarre, isn't it? We use water to wash everything else in our body except our bums. And then a piece of paper. Yeah. It's, <laughs> did you, can you imagine washing your car with a dry chamois? <laughs> exactly. Bizarre. Um, but yeah, amazing place. Uh, you know, just culturally, of course, people are different. But I, I, I just really liked the the politeness and the respectfulness yeah. that you get from people. It's very... Yeah. Very orderly. Very orderly, quite formal in a way, but nice. It was like yeah. refreshing. You just don't get that here. You'd never get that here. And they could hate your guts and still you wouldn't know. Correct. Um, <laughs> but, you know, even just an interaction in a shop, you feel like, I know, valued, respected. It's yeah. just different. But it's cultural. It's very culturally different here than, than what it is to the Western world. Yeah. Like people line up for the trains there still. Like try try and get that. Not just line up, they get pushed on the trains by those people who squeeze you on the train. Have you seen those videos? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like trying to fit sardines in your can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's funny how what people will accept in a more orderly civilization. You know, it's fine to be squished onto a a train by someone. You don't know. Um not good for COVID. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, so there are lots of I, I guess multifaceted talks and I guess one of the the earlier talks that I remember was from the editor of Vogue Singapore. Right. And, you know, a lot of these talks weren't necessarily related to, related to exactly what we do in our clinics, but more a broad overview of mm, beauty. concepts and beauty. Exactly. Mm. So she was saying that um, obviously Vogue Singapore focuses more on Southeast Asian trends and beauty. Uh, and she just sort of gave us insights into how... Um, I guess not only do they follow trends, but they also create trends. Um, so, you know, these high-end fashion magazines, sometimes I flip through them and I think, what? No one's going to wear that. Yeah. But they eventually start trending and, and sort of filtering down to the masses. <coughs> so they were one of the first um, magazines to do what they called an AI-generated photo shoot. So it's a bit weird, but what they did was they had an artist who, I think what he did was he uploaded normal photos into a, a server. Mm. And then they used AI to slightly warp or morph these people into slightly different looking people, which I found bizarre. Mm. It's kind of the almost, it's the opposite of what we try and do as aesthetic people. Mm. We talk about, you know, holistic treatments and anatomy and natural Mm -hmm. look. But when when you sort of mix um, 
high-end fashion and beauty with aesthetics, it can get a bit weird because, you know, you get all these fantastical makeups and weird fashions. And what they were doing with these photos is they were slightly warping the face. So it looked a little bit unhuman. Hmm. But I guess the point of the project was they were talking about, well, what might happen in the metaverse when AI and tech start combining with our real lives? It's weird. So people will have like avatars for themselves. Yeah, basically, um, you know, we'll get onto this maybe, but when when we start interacting in the metaverse as a avatar, mm. so rather than you yeah. as a real person, you online walking around as David Segal as an avatar, you could present yourself anything, any way you like. You could six, have six foot two with hair. Well, <laughs> or with unicorn horns and wings. Yeah. I mean, it sounds so ridiculous, but that's what's going to happen. Um, and but that will be eventually how people know you as you that will be your personality and and your look because nine you know 99 times out of 100 that's how you'll interact with the world it's very weird so it's like uh, that movie ready player one well i haven't seen it but you told me about it yeah steven spielberg movie came out a few years ago probably four or five years ago now Mm. about that and yeah it's sort of set in the future where you know we're living in some sort of you know, post-war apocalyptic world where people are living in caravans and there's a a huge um, lower class of people and I assume like a small percentage of upper class people and and everyone that's sort of, you know, the plebs, I guess you'd call them, they're, they're everyday people. They're sort of still got all this amazing technology and people get up every day and just plug into AI and they live their life because yeah. their real life is terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, they just put these goggles on and interact in these, in this virtual world. That, yes. Well, Apple did it yesterday. It's going to happen. It, it's it's something that I I don't think we can fight. I mean, of course, there'll still be some sort of normal interaction that we consider normal, but it's going that way, isn't it? Gosh. And then, like, so what would real life interactions look like? It's kind of what will that do to people in 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 the real world? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's you, very you're, weird. you're like existing like a parallel universe where like you're two different people, but yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to get onto that more okay. in, in, in the end of this podcast. Um, but, you know, I, I guess more practical things that they've played around with, and I guess it's not new, we're doing this on Instagram and TikTok, is throwing filters onto people's faces, but in a more practical sense. So trying out new makeups, new mm-hmm. colors, new, you know, styles and all the rest of it. So they're just trying to be very tech savvy with fashion. Um, but how that interplays with aesthetics is, I guess, a bit of an unknown because... Mm we've spoken about it on the podcast before that, you know, using things like filters and warping your face, it it can be dangerous. It it can make people less satisfied with their real self. Um, And, you know, does that make body dysmorphia more common? I don't know. Don't know the answer, but you would assume, you know, that, that bold beauty filter that went around a few weeks ago, you know, people were liking their filtered face more than their real face. And therefore, do you want to go back to the real world? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ever played around with a filter? No. I, I can't imagine. Yeah. No, I haven't. I'm too old school. I haven't played away with any filters, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting, and I don't know where it's all going to go, and I don't know whether it's going to go badly or it's going to go really well. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, there was another speaker. I think his name was Mayao. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he was a celebrity stylist and makeup artist from Hong Kong. Yeah. You know, I don't think he said anything 
particularly unusual, but it's just interesting to hear from his perspective because he interacts with all the celebrities, film stars and pop stars, etc. And he said that beauty and trends that he sees are often dictated by just simple things like the socioeconomic yeah. uh, environment. Mm-hmm. So in big downturns or when there's a depression, you just see it in fashion and, and in magazines and, and the styles tend to become more boring, more neutral, mm-hmm. more safe. Subdued. And yep. then when the economy picks up, people start getting more outlandish and more colorful. So yeah, it's just, I mean, I never really appreciated that. Did yeah. you, do you have any insight into that? Um, not really. I mean, I know that tough economic times obviously do things to people's psyche. They become more conservative. You know, their perspective on life changes. And so I guess... You know, know I wonder if those things are just cheaper to produce. I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I think the costs would probably be the same. I think that it's just... Reflecting the mood. Yeah, reflecting the culture, reflecting the mood of people. Yeah. Um, and then I wonder sort of what influences what in the end as well. So yeah. what, what ends up leading what? So, I mean, because we look to, you know, magazines and TV for fashion and then that sort of trickles down, you know, does this then sort of create like self-fulfilling prophecies? Well, for sure. I mean, he was saying, obviously, you know, if he's styling celebrities and doing their mm. hair in a particular way, that trends. Yeah. Because, you, you know, you see it on social media and people go, oh, I like that. I want that. Yeah. And then suddenly it becomes the norm. Mm. And, you know, spoken about things like the Kardashians and so on. Yeah. But things do trend, whether it influences you or me, maybe not. Yeah. Well, we were talking about the man bun before. You know, <laughs> David Beckham David Beckham brought in the man bun and then people people have done it. And wearing sarongs. Yeah. Well, and, that's that's a Russell Brand thing, isn't it? He's, he loves well, it. it was David Beckham originally. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's all that sort of interesting stuff, and you know, the, I don't know what that thing was where they it kind of hold it's like a, like it's like a circle, like a half circle thing that goes on that holds the hair, like a hairband. Yeah, hairband. Yeah, yeah. Like I'd never saw a guy do that before. Dave Beckham did it. <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe they hit. I, I just hadn't seen it. So yeah. Well, different. you've got no hair, so maybe you've never. Looked well, exactly. Into it. It'll be interesting to see how it works. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So you know, just just I, I guess looking at how beauty affects what people want, what people desire, what, what they see is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as an aesthetic injector, I'd never really yeah. thought about it that way. Well, uh, and when you think about what's just happened here in Australia, um, and for those that haven't listened to any uh, recent podcasts that we've done, we've got some big le- legislative changes that are, that are coming in and reforming the industry. And there's a big focus on uh, body dysmorphia. Mm. And, and there's a big focus on that. And so I wonder what this type of technology does to that and if the regulators have actually thought about what kind of impact what's happening with technology is going to further have on people's psyche and, and their body dysmorphic um, proclivities and whether or not it's actually going to become almost in, impossible to control no matter what regulations they put in place. Well, yeah. I mean, particularly with the constraints around advertising and social yeah. media, you know, if you're, I mean, right now it only applies to surgeons and yeah. we did discuss it, but effectively you're asking a surgeon to not use the words that everyone actually uses to describe an operation. Yeah. If you can't show lifestyle shots of what that surgery actually gives you in yeah. real life, I guess, in a bikini or a yeah. whatever, you're sort of creating an issue where patients don't understand what they're signing up for. Yeah. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum where you, you're sitting down to watch the evening news in the United States and then you're seeing an ad for an antipsychotic. Yeah. 
um, and that seems normal. So there's a huge amount of advertising spend that goes in towards marketing directly to the consumer for drugs that have, you know, they have. I've got some um, utility, but there's also a lot of risks and, and sort of mm. side effects too. And that then there's a completely open market where they can just do whatever they want. So it's kind of seems like there's no real sensible middle ground. It's either you can't say anything, or it's complete. Free for all, and yeah. then you're telling people to start taking, you know, mind altering drugs <laughs> while you're watching the evening news. So I, I don't know I what mean, the right answer is. Would you feel <clears throat> more comfortable if it wasn't just the odd, you know, antipsychotic? If it was just every drug, normal drug and unusual drug, if it was more balanced, would that make you feel more comfortable that it's not just pushed at one thing? Yeah, but how would you control that? That's a thing. Oh, yeah. You know, because if these companies have got infinite budgets and those are the drugs that are the most profitable to them mm. and they're going to be the ones that are the most, I guess, pushed. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the right answer is, but I mean, you know, we've got some pretty, some crazy trends going on around the world with, you know, how many people are sort of on these drugs and, you know, what's it doing to them and, mm. you know, long, long-term effects and things like that. So I, I don't know what the right answer is. I mean, I don't like the idea of living in a nanny state where you're, controlled to the nth degree and you can't as you said talk to patients about what products are being used and educate them um appropriately but then the other end of the spectrum is obviously not ideal either so i I don't know it just seems like common sense is not that common anymore and it's hard to sort of find a sensible middle ground with anything yeah um yeah i don't have an answer um but yeah i i think i know aesthetics are still using it, what we call S4 drugs here yeah. in Australia. It's a prescription drug. And and I get that. You have to have some sort of classification for what the law yep. says or doesn't say. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like something that's elective, mm-hmm. like surgery, cosmetic surgery, or injectables. It 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 feels different mm. because it's a choice. Yeah. It's you're not ill. Um and if you do think that patient's ill with body dysmorphia or something else, you're going to refer them to the right person. So you're not opening the floodgates to just allow everyone to have, you know, toxins, mm. fillers. Well, you're still going to do a consultation, do a medical history and all the rest of it. Yeah. So your due diligence is still there. You're acting as a doctor or a medical yeah. professional, but you also want to talk to them in a way that doesn't belittle them. You want yeah. to treat them like an adult. Well, I was, I was talking to a psychologist the other day. I won't mention who it is, but they're a regular listen, listener of the podcast and they're involved in this industry. And they were of the opinion that all this new body dysmorphic screening is actually going to make it worse yeah. because it just becomes a box ticking exercise yeah. and there's going to be people that learn how to game the system. I mean, there was a plastic surgeon here in Sydney who put up on the Instagram how to answer BDD questionnaires. <laughs> so they're giving the patients the answers to the questions. To circumnavigate so the all of a sudden you put like this sort of rigid framework in place where people have to tick boxes and fill out forms rather than actually focusing on the patient interaction, listening to what the patient's saying, it becomes more mechanical rather than intuitive. Mm. And their concern was that it's actually going to end up, more of these people are, are going to end up being treated because they understand how to game the system. I guess just to recap, there may be people who oh, yes. feel, you know understand what we're talking about. So APRA are our regulators, and one of the specific things that they've sort of tried to drill down on is that injectors as well as surgeons have to screen for body dysmorphia. Now, what I don't, you know, in my practice, I've been doing this forever anyway. Yeah. So I don't understand why people are freaking out about it. I mean, if you are an injector and, and you're not 
asking some questions now, forget when July 1st comes. Mm. Why haven't you been? Mm. It is more my point. Yeah. And in sure, we might be given a specific questionnaire to answer. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But I don't see it as being that hugely changed. Mm. It's just maybe it's just more explicit. Yeah. That you've got to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how patients respond to it as well. Like knowing that they're being assessed for it, mm. feeling. But but there's a way of you know, it's yeah. like saying to someone. Um, forget body dysmorphia, like, you know, uh, you know, just asking any medical question. Mm. It's just, a, it's a, it's a question about your medical history. This one just focuses on psychology. And rather than saying, Hey, I'm going to give you a test and, um, to see if you've got a mental illness that <laughs> denies you a treatment today, yeah. that the, you wouldn't never say that, yeah. even though that may be the reality. Yeah. You would say, I'm going to ask you some questions. They may sound a bit weird, but I really want to make sure I'm doing the right thing for you today. Yeah. And, you know, if not, I'm going to get you the best help possible by sending you to someone who can help you. There's a way of saying it, I think. Of course, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, we've always spoken about how things in this industry aren't taken seriously enough in terms of we've pushed these things as being just, you know, come in for a lunchtime facelift and, you know, it's like getting your hair done or your nails done. So we've, we've, as an industry, particularly here in Australia, sort of propagated that, that thought of thought, thought process. So I think there's going to be a bit of a, a shock yeah, because of almost doing a 180 on that, mm. where I think this will really enforce or reinforce the fact that this is still a medical procedure yeah, and there are implications. Which is a positive. Yeah. So I think it's just going to take time for people to get used to it. Um, and the, And I guess we'll find out in the not too distant future, like the practicalities of, of how well this works. Is it actually assisting us? Are you finding that it's causing issues or I don't know. I think time will tell and, and the system will probably get refined mm. over time. But yeah. How the hell did we get onto that from Japan? I don't know. You don't know how we are. We just go from one thing <laughs> to the other. Yeah. Um, another interesting talk. Yes. And I want to get your thoughts on this. So there was a, a speaker called Jun Kobayashi. He was a sociologist from Japan. Mm-hmm. And his talk was entitled Beauty is Capital. Oh, yeah. So essentially, you know, he's done studies. And by on, capital, he means like wealth? It is a currency. Okay. So for example, you know, I, I know this as an aesthetic injector and it's why people come. People want to improve themselves mm-hmm. because whatever limitation that they have had by not feeling as beautiful it allows people to get past that and and be more confident, right? Mm-hmm. It's just obvious. Yeah. But he was saying that, you know, they've done multiple studies where, for example, um, they got, I can't remember, let's say a thousand people, mm-hmm. but from multiple different countries yeah. just to prove that it wasn't specific to say Japan. Yeah. So they did other countries and they firstly, I don't know how they did this, but they got the people to grade their own beauty uh, and that was agreed on by observers, not just themselves. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Confronting so it's a bit confronting. Yeah. But essentially there was a very clear correlation between the more attractive you are, the more successful you've been in in life, mm. be it wealth, job status, got married, had kids, had more lovers yeah, and had more kisses. They even graded kisses and lovers. Right. Okay. Um, and you know it sounds so obvious, but when you when you drill it down to its bare bones, I guess the point is that beauty is currency. Mm. It's not just vanity. Yeah, 
and it does open doors and it does give you opportunities. And if that is true, then it kind of gives a justification as long as it's done ethically mm-hmm. to why we exist as aesthetic practitioners. Yeah. But what yeah. do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, I think this is the the obvious truth that makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable to talk about. I mean, you know, I think we've spoken about this before, you know, the a baby will hold the gaze of a more attractive face. Yes. And they don't know anything about attractiveness or they're Golden not ratio. <laughs> well, and they're not, you know, obviously it's not from a sexual perspective. It's just from what draws the human eye Yeah, and us subconsciously searching for, you know, symmetries, attractive features, because, you know, that's what we want to sort of uh, propagate as a species is, yeah. you know, what ideal characteristics that make someone a good mate. But I think it's a lot, I think it's a lot more complicated than that because, I think that um, I think physical appearance gives you potentially a head start, or you know, maybe the opposite to that. But there are obviously other overriding fact, other factors that can sort of offset that. So you know, you meet someone that's really good looking, but they're a complete asshole, yeah, and they're boring. Then that can take someone that was, you know, let's just use those arbitrary numbers up. Someone that's a nine out of ten, just for lack of a better term, like just a very um, obtuse grading system. Um, <laughs> Whereas as someone who's not that attractive physically, but you talk to them and they're extremely funny, they're charismatic, they make you feel good to be around them, that can change their attractiveness to you. Correct. And so, and then you talk about things like money and success, you know, men that have more money, you know, sometimes, you know, and this is, you know, a very controversial opinion, you know, might attract more women or certain types of women. Yeah. Um, and so... I don't think it's just as simple. I think physical appearance is a strong driver and it gives you an advantage, but it's only like it gets you to like step one. But I guess that's yeah. the point. Yeah. I mean, if you're walking down the street or you're for in a job interview or yeah. a snap decision is made on, yeah. on your appearance, yeah. a door is opened. Yeah. Of course, what you do with that of course. after yeah. is up to your personality. Yeah, I think it's hard to deny. I think that it's it's unpopular and it might make people feel uncomfortable to admit it, but I think that is the reality of the situation. It does give you a leg up yeah. in terms of an unfair advantage. If you've got two people sitting in front of you who are both equally as charismatic and knowledgeable, you know, the person that is perceived as more physically attractive will probably get the nod over the person that doesn't. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's it's not fair, but it is what it is. Exactly. And so, you know, should we be saying to patients, if you invest in your face, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to promise anything, but there is a statistical likely, yeah. likability, what's the word? Probability. Probability, yeah. That you may, well, you know, have yeah. doors opened. Well, of course. But, you know, that, I guess as well. It's a very like, loose statement, obviously. Well, it is. But, you know, like even if it... So, for example, if you perceive yourself as more attractive after the procedure, whether or that is or isn't the case, we'll just park that to the to the side for a moment, but assume that you believe that as as an individual. Yeah. What does that do to your confidence and your outgoingness and your ability to talk to people? And so your self-perception, whether it's true or, or not true to others will change the way you present yourself when you talk to to, to people in society, yeah. whether they be a job interview or a potential partner, uh, it will change that. And so some it's like a placebo effect. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and Well, I actually think it's a real effect because if someone comes to I'm, me, I'm saying it could be a placebo. Like you might, for, for example, you might do someone's lips 
or I know you're not a big lip guy, but let's say someone does someone's lips and most people think they're too big, but they think they look great. Yeah. Yeah, they, you're, they, you're they, going to be walking taller. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, yeah. feeling different about yourself. Correct, yeah. 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 I mean, the more tangible one is if someone's got really deep tear troughs yes. and they do look tired yeah. and people keep saying, why are you tired? Yeah. And suddenly those comments stop because you look better. Yeah. Inevitably, yeah. you're going to feel better about yourself yeah. because you're not getting all those negative comments anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just... Yeah, it's 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 sort of delving in, into the very core of why we do what we do. Well, just, you know, human beings are very complex creatures, and we go to extremes with everything. You go to the gym, you know, you'll see eighty percent of people that are just normal. They're looking fit. They're just there for their health, and then you'll see a few people that are like beefcakes, who are like you know steroided up to the gills. <laughs> you know, there's testosterone coming out of their pores. They're huge. And then you've got people, you know, you see occasionally see very sad people that have obviously got eating disorders who are very thin and exercising themselves into an early grave. And and you see those outliers with everything in life, with work, with with exercise, with everything really. And yeah. so it's just we're just flawed as as a species that we sort of have these eccentric or over the top sort of drivers to, to anything we do in life. So here's the thing then. Yeah. We weren't going to talk about this, but let's okay. talk about it. Okay. So they also had the world's, well, one of the world's most um, busy transgender surgeons sure. based in China. Yeah, uh, His name was Balin Pan. So right. sorry if I've got that wrong. but So he, he said exactly that. He said that we all have preferences. Yeah. So you might like a particular nose shape in a female. Yeah. You might like a certain height. Yeah. Whatever it is makes up beautiful to you. Mm-hmm. And I might have a completely different taste. And that's cool because then we all find a partner and we all live a happy life, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. But what do we do with um, someone who doesn't like their own gender? Yeah. Because this, this is really, you know, it's a difficult topic because there's a lot of politics, politics sort of surrounding it. And in the States, you've got, you know, some of the extreme versions where, um, you know, younger children are sort of been encouraged to have surgery and so yeah. on. I don't want to get into that topic sort of specifically because mm. it, it sort of gets certain people polarized and angry. But yeah. just as a general topic, he was suggesting that whilst both physical traits can be appreciated or, or not appreciated, there are people who don't appreciate their own gender. It's yeah. just interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know much about the topic, but they did have a... Um, a speaker, she came from Thailand to talk. Yeah. And it was quite interesting the way they did it. We didn't know that she was transgender. Yeah. So she came on uh, the stage and they played a video, which was actually an advert that she was involved in in sure. Thailand, mm -hmm. where she was actually advertising shampoo, but it really focused on her struggle as a young boy yeah. to to understand her, her, her identity. Yeah. And she eventually, at the age of 18, had breast surgery and at the age of 21, she actually had transgender surgery and she went to China for that. Yeah. I don't think the surgeon did it, but yeah. so she's fully transitioned. Right. And I guess there were lots of questions that we all had. For example, at what point does a patient who feels that way commit to surgery rather than just live the life as a trans yeah. patient? Mm -hmm. it, it, it was interesting. Yeah. I think we should get a trans patient on because it's very hard for someone who doesn't specialize in it to, to comment on it. Yeah. Or if you're not feeling that, if, you, if you're not in that situation and, and living that life, it's very hard for someone to sort of 
have an opinion or to cast judgment because you haven't walked in that person's shoes. So I think it would be great to get someone and, and have that discussion because it is complex. It is nuanced. I know every situation is different and I know it does polarize a lot of people yeah. um, on both sides of, of, of the, of the discussion. So, yeah, I mean, the reality is it's, you know, it is, it is out there. It's, it's happening. Um, and I think the more we know about it, the more people we can talk to, because I think part of the problem is everyone's so busy yelling at each other. Yeah. Um, Particularly so, in an online yeah, uh, environment. And it's like, I think we need to stop yelling and start talking mm. and, and understand different people's perspectives and understand their reality and the way they feel. Yeah. Um, and actually just try and become more compassionate and understanding rather than judging and yelling at each other, which seems to happen with everything these days. Yeah. We live in a very polarized world where, yeah. you know, if you don't agree with someone, you know, it, it's not about having a discussion. It's about, you know, getting angry, discrediting them, trying to destroy their life. It, it's, you know, that's not a path to victory for anyone. That just creates more chaos and, and more unhappiness. So mm. I think the more that we can engage and have discussions. So I think, you know, I think you're right. If we can have someone on that wants to have a discussion, I'll be very interested to to sort of learn and, and hear their perspective and, and their reality. Yeah. I mean, there was a bit of a paradox that mm came to my mind and, and I discussed it with a few people. And if you're listening and you're trans, I don't mean this in a controversial way, but my question was, is it, uh, is it the end of body dysmorphia? Is it, is it a spectrum or is it something totally separate to, to dysmorphia? So for example, if someone came to our clinic who hated their nose mm but we as the practitioner couldn't see it or understand it, mm -hmm. we would say, I'm very sorry. <clears throat> I'm not going to treat you because mm -hmm. I, I can't see the issue. Yeah. And so I also, of course, can't see gender dysphoria in someone. They can tell me about it, but mm -hmm. me as the practitioner, I can't see it or, or, or understand mm -hmm. it because it's not, it's not my thought process. Yeah. Yeah. So it's 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 a bit of a paradox. Well, I mean, I, I, and maybe this sort of extends the invitation to not only talk to potential patient, but also someone like Dr. Pan, yeah. who does this because I'm sure they've had to navigate these sorts of discussions. Yeah. Um, they've probably spent a lot of time thinking about it and and sort of searching their own, you know, thoughts and feelings about things and how do they move forward and look after these people, but at the same time, do what's medically responsible. Yeah. Um, so I think it's a really complex issue. So I think that it'll be great to have, you know, someone on like that that can shed some light on it and educate us and our listeners because uh, I know it is an area that people are very afraid to talk about. Yeah. Um, a lot of discussions happen behind closed doors. So, you know, yeah. why not? Yeah. If, if you are listening and you know about this topic or you're trans or you're a surgeon or you have some insight, reach out to us, yeah. um, Jake at insideaesthetics.com or David at yep. insideaesthetics.com. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but then one oh. of the talks that I just found fascinating and we'll probably focus more on that was a guy called Mike Walsh. Right. I think he's Australian. Uh, um, mm. I don't know where he's based. His accent didn't sound Australian, but yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's a futurist. Yeah. So that means that he looks at trends and topics and he gives talks on, you know, what's coming in the future. And I think his talk was called generative AI and the metaverse. Right. So it's, it touches on a lot of topics that we've sort yeah. of touched on already, but, um, you know, we, we've all heard recently about chat GTP yeah. and we all heard the, the example of Drake and the weekend song being yeah. mashed up. You know, th these kind of technologies are going to have an impact on our businesses at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So, by the way, what is a futurist? Is a futurist someone that predicts the future, or is a futurist someone that has, you know, focuses on emerging technology? Correct. And, and they're not playing. predicting, right? He, he he actually said this in his talk. He said, "I don't have a crystal ball, and I'm not plucking this out the sky. Right. Mm. I am researching what Google, Apple, etc. Right. are doing, and I'm just presenting what I know." Right. Okay. So. Yeah, it, you know, it's like a journalist, but a journalist for specialising in emerging technologies. Exactly. Mm. So, for example, you know, I use a product called Canva, which is a software mm. to create our social media yep. posts. Mm-hmm. And you know, recently they've mm. um, dropped in a technology. I think they call it Magic Image. Yeah, where you can literally write texts like um, I don't know anything. Um, Draw me a syringe with wings um, in a background that looks like you're in an office and it just makes the photo out of thin air it just creates the photo and it doesn't just do one it gives you multiple versions of that right so for example you know if you're thinking about um your social media as an injector or your business you don't have to like create images now you don't have to like draw them or or pull graphics together you can just tell the ai to make it wow um which gives you much richer much more bespoke content right um, same for chat GTP when you're writing your blog or mm-hmm. writing your website rather than literally sitting there typing away you can just give it suggestions and prompts yeah and it will write your website yeah I mean of course you've got to tweak it and edit yeah. it and make sure it's all valid yeah um, because one of the things he was saying and and this is kind of the danger of chat GTP I actually did a uh, a play around with is it bard google google's version's called bard i'm not sure yeah so if you go to bard.google.com is that b-a-r-d yeah uh it you can try their version of chat gtp or ai right okay and actually did something weird so i i, I wrote well i asked it i said who is a good cosmetic doctor in surrey hill sydney knowing that i may come up in there <laughs> You know, because how many doctors are there in Surrey Hills? There can't be that. There can't be hundreds, right? I'm just laughing at the fact you googled yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because I just wanted to test to see if, right. if you know, because I would know if it's if it's factual. Sure, or not. Yeah, okay. And it did produce something that was very unfactual. I mean, my name was there. It said I work in Surrey Hills. I'm whatever. But then it said I'm associated with an association who I'm definitely not associated with. Mm. And it said that I've been in Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and a few other things that are definitely not true. Right. Huh. So the danger with AI is that it will just spit out what it accumulates by trawling the internet of information. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's right. Right, okay. So th- this is kind of the danger of AI, that you kind of assume it's a super powerful computer that knows everything, but it, do- it, doesn't, know f- it doesn't know truth. It just knows what's on the internet. Mm. Yeah. So you've got to be careful with that. Double-edged sword. Yeah. Um. What else did he talk about? So he was saying that some businesses, for example, Wendy's in the USA. Is that like a, it's a burger store? Oh, Wendy's, yeah. A bit like McDonald's, but Wendy's. Um, apparently, they've started using AI um, at their drive throughs So rather than just you know a person on the speaker saying, hi, what can I get you today? Mm. It's an AI computer. But not only can it obviously understand you know the words that people are saying, but it, it can understand the slang. So for example, if people call a burger... You know, I don't know, uh, you know, a particular slang for that part of the world, it will recognize yeah. it. So it's it's sort of culturally understanding what people are asking for right. rather than just words, but also it's looking at their face and understanding their expressions and their emotions. Right. So if they're a bit angry or I don't know, stressed, it will 
adapt and ask them appropriate questions. Right. It's weird. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's kind of cool. It's it's useful. Yeah. Gosh. So like it's just an app on that you have. Well, it's not an app. It, it's when you drive through Wendy's. Oh, there's, right. There's a camera at the, you know, the speaker right. thing. Huh. People still do drive throughs huh? Oh yeah, that ninety percent of their business is drive through. Huh. Yeah. I thought it was all Uber Eats. No, no. Well, not at Wendy's, apparently. There you go. But anyway, the relevance of that is, for example, why couldn't you have on your website, obviously, a camera showing the patient at the end of the computer, but rather than you or your receptionist having to take the call, Mm -hmm. a virtual avatar. Yeah. So you could make your own avatar, David, Mm -hmm. or you could have... I don't know, an attractive receptionist, whatever you want to represent for your business, but then actually take questions because you can train the avatar of knowledge that you know. So for example, you could, you could just plug in your website into the AI. So it knows all of your treatments, all of your Mm -hmm. prices, all of your downtime, all of your risks and all that stuff. And then as people ask it questions, it knows the answer. Yeah. So you, you could basically have an avatar running your business. (laughs) Maybe people are beginning to become redundant. <laughs> yes, basically. So what is everyone going to do for a job? <laughs> uh, go to Mars on holiday? I you know, the no interesting idea. thing is that all this AI stuff, people were worried about jobs that it was going to take. And I think everyone who was a white collar worker assumed that they'd be safe. When in actual fact, people that sort of build houses and come and fix your sink when it's broken or... Probably the most... They're probably going to... It's, it's going to take a lot longer, I think, for, you know robots to come in and start fixing sort of maintenance around your house. I don't know. I, I think that mm. I've got a few friends that are lawyers and some of the stuff that you can get now, like you can get these AI programs to produce sales contracts or look up the law on this and this and what should I do in this situation. Yeah. Um, there's a few of them that are starting to freak out about it because, you know, you pay these people because they have knowledge in a particular niche. Yeah. Whereas now with a click of a button, you can actually get access to that knowledge. Mm. Um, and get things produced. That's going to make the, yeah, it's yeah, interesting. I, I, I think things like buildings and construction, that will probably be one of the first things that I believe will be maybe not automated, but but radically changed. So, or 3D printers. Yeah, yeah exactly. 3D printing houses. I mean, you know, just been to Dubai recently and, you know, the building's just insane. It never stops. There's cranes everywhere. Yeah. And it's amazing. You know, the stuff, the buildings just, yeah. you just don't see that in Australia, but it takes ages. Yeah. So, one of the biggest problems we have is it just takes too long to yeah. build something. So yeah. if you could, in a practical and, and a nice looking way, 3D print a house or do that in a different way, I think builders will just disappear overnight if, if you could find that tech. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to happen. It's just going to take longer. Because I could see like, you know, little cyborg robots coming into your house and you go, oh, I've got a broken, got a hole in the wall and I'll know how to fix it. Yeah. Uh, and it'll come, you know, you'll send through a photo of it, it'll auto- automatically mix the right paint color. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's me. What are we all going to do? We're going to have a lot more free time. <laughs> is that a good thing or a well, bad thing? You see what happens when people get too much free time? <laughs> well, the problem is we're all going to be living longer with more time to our hands and less money. It's kind of it's a bit dangerous. I don't think about all this stuff, Jake. <laughs> if uh, you guys want to muck around with a virtual <laughs> avatar, there's an app called Call Annie. Call um, Annie. It's really interesting. So it is Chat GPT's. Um, I guess it's like the official interface that links into Chat GPT. So, for example, this person called Annie pops up, and it's like a it's like a 
a virtual face that talks. So you can give it prompts. So for example, again, I mucked around with it, of course. And I said, please, can you tell me um, a little bit about Dr. Jake Sloan and, and what he does? And I think what it had done is it had trawled my website. Yeah, right. So it basically just read me my intro of my website. But I was like, wow, like it's, it's just, it's interesting. But rather than coming through as text when you're on chat GTP, it speaks it to you. Right. And, and the face moves as if it's talking. Hmm. So again, you know, you can train these avatars to work for your business and, and act as like a, you know, like a call center, I guess. Crazy. So these things are coming. Well, they're already here. Wow. Where's it all going to end? Well, yeah, I really don't know. I, I, you know, I can't even use TikTok and Snapchat. Yeah. So when are these, some of these emerging technologies come through, you and I are going to be completely redundant. It's almost like we're like the caterpillar that's like building the cocoon to give birth to the moth. <laughs> but we're doing it from a te technology, like we've created our own superseded version of life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this one's going to blow your mind. All right. Then. So I know this is kind of getting off aesthetics, but I think I just think it's interesting and just fun to talk about. So let's imagine you've built your avatar, mm -hmm. got David Segal yeah. version point two. Yeah. There are now, I don't know the name of the app, but we could find it for you guys. There's a dating app where you can send your avatar to go on dates with avatars. Oh, yeah. Avatars. He talked about this in his talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you might think, well, why? So like I said, with Chat Annie or um, you know, a virtual avatar for your business, you can train your own avatar to know what you like. Yeah. So for example, you know, your personality and what hobbies you're into, whatever. So your avatar will go out on a date with another avatar, who of course it's also been trained by its own yeah. owner or person, and your avatar will come back and feed back who it connected with. So it's almost like a filtering process. So rather than going on Tinder and having a hundred shit dates where yeah. you realize you don't connect and they're psychopaths, your avatar will filter through those ones because it's you. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's oh just, my god, it's getting crazy. Yeah. And then when do the police turn up at your house because they because your avatar yeah your like, avatar that you're sort of yeah that you're you know you're some kind of sicko <laughs> okay well here's another thing that he mentioned so I think Google and Harvard University they created a virtual world I can't remember what it's called and they put twenty five of these avatars in the world just to see what they would do and so the avatars started interacting they start talking. They start arranging birthday parties. They're going on Valentine's dates. <laughs> They're um, some of them start dating, as in avatars. So it's almost like understanding what sentience is. Jeez, it's very, very, very weird. Wow! But this stuff is happening right here and right now. Gosh. So I guess linking this back to our businesses and aesthetics, you know some of these technologies will start to represent your brand, whether it's on your website or in the metaverse. Um, and you can either run with it or, or not, but I think eventually it's going to become normal or more normal. Yeah. Brave new world. Yeah. What do you think about that? I don't know. I really don't know. It seems like it's happening so fast that I don't know how easily people are going to be able to catch up and adapt to it. I mean, I guess younger people that sort of grow up with this as being normal might be completely fine. Mm. But because like it takes, there's only so much change that people can 
deal with in a, in a space of time. You see this just in managing staff or, or sort of trends that happen. People can only move so the brain can only process change at a certain pace and beyond that it starts to become overwhelming and people kind of freak out so i don't know but i mean we see this every generation whether it was you know yeah maybe in the early 90s with game boys yeah and, and parents saying no nah, that's not yeah playing you need to get out in the street and play yeah and then suddenly computers just become normal yeah but then or, you know, what effect has that had i mean do you remember when napster first came out oh, and, yeah. and and all the artists were freaking out that everyone's going to have access to their music digitally now we would laugh at people owning a cassette or a cd yeah because it just becomes normal yeah um mobile phones and mm-hmm. and, and and the internet yeah you know can you imagine 30 years ago, being able to sit down and know everything just by touching a, a few keys on the keyboard. You got, yeah, you got a supercomputer in your pocket. So, I don't know. Whether it... <laughs> Time's going to tell. I mean, all you know, the whole thing about you know kids not going outside and playing anymore, I mean, start to computers, that does have an effect on their... Obesity. On, yeah, on, on their physical health. Social yeah, development. Yeah, people aren't com- comfortable having conversations with real people anymore. Yeah. Um, they'd rather text and talk to somebody. Yeah. And so I don't know whether that's right or whether it's wrong, but it it seems to be at odds with how we're programmed physically or how we've historically existed on this planet. Yeah. And so I don't know how it's all going to go, but it doesn't seem like we've got much of a choice because this it's sort of like there's too much momentum. And yeah, you, I, I, the, I guess we're going to find out. <laughs> you, you can't put this back in the box. No, the genie's out now. Yeah. And, you know, whether you like it or I like it, Google and Meta and Apple are not going to stop with this stuff. No, no way. Um, and well, also, you know, like if they, even if they stopped, well, is other other countries overseas going to stop? They no. probably won't. So there's like, it's almost like an arms race, but it's like a technology race Yeah. where you don't want another country who you perceive as your enemy, which is also a crazy concept, um, to get one up on you. Yeah. So it's sort of like, it's almost like a, in a, an inevitability. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about this one. I, I don't even know if I fully understood it, but Apple uh, are de- developing an app. I'm assuming it's to do with their wearable. Maybe it's their new um, goggle thing mm-hmm. where it records not just, you know, your heart rate and, and breathing or the rest of it, but how you feel. So it will know from like your, your physiology. Yeah. About how your mood is. And so I guess that, could have an interesting interplay with what we do because if if you had some way of sensing more accurately how someone feels in your consultation or at least you could maybe see a record of that over yeah. a month or a year or maybe you could better grade satisfaction but also grade when someone isn't suitable to treat yeah it would just it would remove the body dysmorphia questionnaires well yeah i mean yeah. it seems a bit Super basic to ask someone to do a questionnaire. Yeah, it does. It's 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 um, as I said, it feels like a box ticking exercise. I mean, I had a chat with some of our uh, practitioners at our clinic, and you know, because they were freaking out because you know they're receptionists and skin yeah. therapists, they're going to have to handle some of these questions yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, look, truthfully, if you ask me for thirty days in a row and you gave me the questionnaire, I'd answer it differently every time. Yeah, depending if I'm pissed off. Yeah. Um, if a woman's on their period, if someone's gone through a divorce, if someone's having a crap day at work, your mood will affect what you ask for, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, whether you should deny someone treatment or, or allow them treatment, depending on yeah. something 
that just happened at work. Mm. You know, I, I don't know if it's the answer. You've got to make a decision as the practitioner, but boiling it down to a questionnaire is pretty silly. Yeah, it's a bit of a reductionist kind of way of looking at it, I think. It's sort of like people are more interested in covering their backside than actually yeah. getting to the to the real truth. But or, also you're yeah. going to enable those patients who know how to circumnavigate yeah. the problem. Yeah. So, and and, and inadvertently treat people that you shouldn't because yeah. you're not consulting and using your medical knowledge. Yep. Yeah, it's I don't I don't think what the regulators have set out to achieve is going to work the way that they had envisaged. I just can't, I can't there's too many variables and we're already seeing cracks form and it hasn't even launched yet. So interesting times ahead. We will see how it all unfolds. Yeah. So no that was a bit of a weird one. Yes. Yeah. Sorry um, guys. I mean you know I mean, do you, I mean, I guess it would be good for us to know that people like these these chats that we have because you and I have some pretty weird and wonderful discussions <laughs> in and around the industry all the time. So if you do enjoy these episodes where it's just us shooting the breeze, talking about various topics that in some way relate back to the aesthetic space, maybe it's a nice break from all the technical technical kind of stuff. So give us some feedback. If you like them, let us know because they're easy to do. We don't have to organize a guest. It's just you and me. Yeah, just shooting the shit. Yeah. Um, so what have you got planned for the rest of the week? Uh, about a thousand consulting sessions. We've got some stuff to do on Patreon. We've got a few meetings today, some family commitments. Nice. Try and fit the gym in as much as I can. I want to take you along one day. You won't be able to work for a week. Well, yeah. <laughs> Struggling with my back at the moment, but it's, a, it's an acute problem. I have a chronic back pain, but this is an acute problem. Oh, there's nothing cute about that. No. Uh, but no, you're right. Movement and longevity and thinking about your diet is yeah. all important. Yeah. Well, lots of fun. All right. Well, we're going to sign off on this one, guys. But thank you for listening. Yeah. And good we'll to have you back. See you next week. See you, buddy. Take care. See you guys. Bye. For our latest news, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. If you want to get in touch with myself or David, follow us on Instagram as well at Dr. Jake Sloan and David underscore Inside Aesthetics. Join our IA Patreon platform for invaluable business and injectable education. Get access to our global community of like-minded professionals, live and interactive Zoom sessions, hints and tip videos, webinars, and more. Head over to www.insideaesthetics.com forward slash Patreon for more information.